uh, recording in a bit of a rush. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome, one and all, to episode 396? 396 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Andres. Hello, and welcome. English Dan. Good evening. And Santi. Hello there. Uh, we're hoping to get everything done in about an hour and a half tonight, including um, me having to log off at half time to download the first file and recording an extra. Uh, so I'm going to get straight on with this and give you the scores that have happened in the Copa de la Liga Profesional since we last recorded, which was two weeks ago. Um, those scores were in one of the matches that we told you uh, should be interesting. Aldo CB won, Central Cordoba 2, and it was quite a good game, actually. Union won, Gimnasia 1, Huracan 0, Lanús 0, Tacheres 0, Vélez 2, a uh, match in which Tacheres had two people sent off. Platense nil, Racing two, Argentinos two, Godoy Cruz nil, Defensa Justicia four, Newell's Old Boys nil. Uh, in the big top of the, whichever group it is that they were first and second off uh, on my app, it says Group A, and I think that means it's actually Group B. Um, Clash Estudiantes de la Plata nil, Colón de Santa Fe two, with two fantastic goals from El Pulga Rodriguez. Boca Juniors won, River Plate won, and it was also one apiece on the red card count there. Uh, Banfield nil, San Lorenzo nil, Atletico Tucumán four, Patronato two, Rosario Central two, Arsenal one, and Independiente six, Sarmiento nil. Uh, and then last weekend, the scores were Newells nil, Union nil, Central Cordoba one, Estudiantes one, Patronato nil, Huracán one. Gimnasia 2, Atletico Tucumán 0, Banfield 2, Lanús 0 in the Clásico, Vélez 1, Independiente 0, Godoy Cruz 1, River 6, Sarmiento 3, Defensa y Justicia 1, Colón 0, Rosario Central 0, Colón's first non-win of this competition, San Lorenzo 1, Aldo CB 2, Boca 1, Tacheres 2, Arsenal nil, Platense nil, and Racing one, Argentinos Juniors nil. There have also been some Copa Argentina games. Um, there's also, in fact, one going on right now in which uh, Defensa Justicia took a 1 0 lead against San Lorenzo um, just as we were starting to record. Uh, I'm just going to mute down there for a second so that we don't hear his wife, uh, his girlfriend talking to him. Um, and I'll go over the scores for those for the Copa Argentina games in earnest in a few minutes' time when I've had a chance to flip between different bits of app on my phone. Um, can anybody remember back to two weeks ago when we had those three, well, three games that we picked out before the weekend, really, that we said were going to be memorable, and um, which were Aldo Civi, Central Cordoba, Estudiantes versus Colón, and, of course, the Super Clásico. And they all were pretty good in their own way. Uh, who wants to start us off? 
From there, uh, there so were, so sorry, uh, there were also the, this match that was suspended because of the rain uh, between Atletico Tucumán and Huracán, it was? That they drew 1-1. Oh, yeah, when was that? that? That was suspended earlier on, wasn't it? Yes, round three, I think, and it was yesterday. It was played the few ah. minutes that were left, and uh, it remained the, the same result, 1-1, one, one, I think. Oh, that's not showing up on my phone for some reason. It's not It's not showing as just having been played, and, and the um, original match is still showing as cancelled rather than having been played. So thanks for the update there, Andres. Anyway, shall we start with Colón Estudiantes, since we're bigging that one up? Um, when we last recorded, it, it was good. And it also answered, in a way, answered one of our questions, which we'd asked in the last episode as to who's going to be the, the best player in Argentina now that Nacho Fernandez has left River. Um, because as I said, Luis Rodriguez was brilliant, scored one free kick in the first half, um, which was absolutely, it shouldn't have gone in. It didn't really make any sense. The goalkeeper had everything set up properly. He had the standard, you know, the wall covering the near post. The goalkeeper was was covering the far post and uh, Rodriguez hit the ball like it owed him money to the far post and the goalkeeper still didn't manage to get on it. Um, and the second at the end of a, a length of the pitch counter from, I think it was Nistudiante's corner, wasn't it? Which was a, a fantastic yes, it was. unexpected little chip up and over the goalkeeper from about 25 yards out. Um, and with his weaker foot, no less. Yes, with his left foot. <laughs> yeah, I, feel, I feel like we're, we're being more and more... Um... You know, time is giving. Time is just proving us right every time when, when we said that he was probably the best, uh, the best player in Argentina. We're becoming more and more validated. I think he's just got fantastic talent. I mean, he's the kind of player you, you know he's, who's not going to perform every single week for an entire season. Um, I've shown that, but. When he's good, he's absolutely fantastic. And he's just a talent. He has the ability with the ball and the ability to strike a ball. I, I think it's fair to say that possibly very few people in, in the Argentine top flight or the you know in Argentine football have have that kind of skill. It's it's just delightful to watch, really. Yeah, we've spoken before back in the mists of time on this podcast about how when he was a youngster, he was um on the verge of, of some, well, Real Madrid wanted him and then he, he got an offer from, uh, was it Inter? And his agent, yeah. without telling him, his agent turned them down because he was convinced that the offer from Madrid was going to come in any day now and, and it didn't actually end up going through. <laughs> um, and as a result, he went back to Tucumán and, and has played out his entire career uh, in Argentina and the vast majority of it, of course, in Atletico Tucumán. Um so that, that, as you say, Dan, the talent's never really been in in doubt, but it's perhaps the application that stopped him from uh, hitting. Not not actually saying application makes it sound like he doesn't put the effort in. But you know what I mean—the the sort of the consistency yes, 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 yes. Um, that perhaps stops him from hitting the the heights. And that's the one thing that I do wonder whether he is going to be the player who steps up now and fills Nacho Fernandez's boots, as we were discussing a couple of weeks ago. Because one thing that Nacho Fernandez, uh, I, I thought, was one of his strongest um, suits was consistency um, and I think that I read that he scored a goal and set one up or something on his debut for Atletico Mineiro uh, last yeah, week um, so he's, he's clearly keeping that going um, yeah I think so one thing you can say about uh, El Bulliga as well is that as well as possibly the consistency it's not like he's always been in the kind of teams 
in which you can you can show the kind of talent he has week in week out because no, was, with Atletico a long time you know when Atletico were pretty crap I think at one point they went down to to the third division even um, and he you know managed to get them back up and into the Libertadores and then you know we've seen some fucking awful Colón teams even since he's been there so it would be really nice to see him at you know a top very very good club I mean uh, off of one would would love to see him go to Boca for the for the end of 2021. Even if you know I don't particularly enjoy watching Boca succeed, I think it would be just a fantastic you know recognition for for a great player and and a real chance to you know just to end his career on a high. Basically, he's 36 and he can't have that long in him. You'd imagine. Um, so I've got my fingers crossed that can happen. Uh, I don't know halfway through the year or, or whenever. We shall see. Is that a possibility that's actually being uh, discussed, Dan, or is that just something you've come up with? It's been mooted. Um, it came It came up, I think, um, originally when uh, Eduardo Salvio had his really nasty injury and they were saying that possibly Boca uh, could bring him immediately, but I think there were a couple of problems there. One, he, he wouldn't have been able to play in the local league because he already played for Colón, and two, Colón would want a hell of a lot of money, but... It's been mentioned, and he said a couple of times, like, man, you know, if Boca cool, he, he'll answer. He's, he's dying to have a guy there. But whether there's anything really, really concrete, uh, I couldn't tell you. Hmm. I'd, I'd agree, though. It would be nice to see him at a, a, a big club who are. Yes, he, he openly know, said that he would like to play for Boca, but finally, apparently, Riquelme didn't call him. Uh, when, like Dan said, when, when Salvio got injured, there were a pair of names that were linked with Boca, like him, like uh, Valoches, I think, the Tacheres, also a striker, and an Equatorian, uh, Michael Estrada, I think. And Pulgar Rodriguez, he openly said that in the media that he would like to play for Boca, but at the moment there weren't any, any real proposals. Uh, moving on to the Super Clásico, which of course we need to uh, look back on. Um, it was all right. It perhaps didn't live up to the heights of some of the more memorable Super Clásicos of the last five years or so, but that's setting the bar pretty high, actually, these days. You know, we'd, five or six years ago, we'd have been saying Super Clásicos tend to be pretty awful matches, but they haven't been for some time. Um, Carlos Zambrano and Milton Cascos are the right-sided defenders uh, of both teams with the players to earn a red card. And, I mean, looking back and, and trying to sort of dig into the mists of my memory as well... Um, I have the impression of a match in which River created more chances, but Boca perhaps had the slightly better ones. Does that sound fair from what others can remember? Look, yes. uh, if if you didn't mention that there were in that there were any red cards uh, in this game, I wouldn't have remembered to be honest. I, I remember like some very specific actions, but I don't remember the red cards. It says, I think Boca says was here, a bit closer. Yes. Go on. Sorry. Yeah. It says here, Sambrano's red card was after the 69th minute, and Milton Cascos was the 79th, and they were both for second yellow cards. Sorry. Carry on, Andres. Yes. Um, yes. No. I, I was going to say that I think Boca was a bit uh, better overall, uh, though River had in the end of the match that crazy uh, that. Maradona, that people, some people said that Maradona was there because it was cleared uh, over the line. 
uh, and it was with the rare effect the ball that uh, made made it not got into the net. Uh, but uh, even uh, uh, that, that play, uh, I think the Boca was a bit better, uh, slightly better, not a lot better. Uh, um, I think that match wasn't that good, but uh, I think that what's remarkable is that there are, there are a lot of uh, super classicals. I think there was a, a two or three years ago a, a nil nil uh, Boca River, but then uh, the last uh, uh, super classicals are uh, are are being with goals, which is at least is good about uh, because of that. But uh, specifically about this. Uh, Last uh, match, I think it, it wasn't that good, but Boca uh, showed an improved performance that what they were showing. And in the other hand, River wasn't uh, wasn't great. In fact, Gallardo doing uh, uh, some uh, sometimes said or, or asked for the players to be closer and to to press higher, which is something that River usually usually does. But in this case, it wasn't. Uh, so I think that it was fair uh, result one the one one. Uh, I, I I said it would be a draw and finally it was like that. Uh, so I, I think it was uh, a, a, a fair one one in, in in my opinion. Okay, we also uh, have had two matches in which one team has scored six goals since we last recorded. Uh, the first of those were was one that I'm guessing Santi you were. Well, I mean, obviously pleasantly, but also I'm, I'm guessing quite surprised by, even though you were talking about how Independiente seemed to slowly be getting better last time we recorded. Yeah, um, I certainly did not expect uh, a Falcioni side to score six in one game. It, actually, it was the first time one of his teams ever did that, which, uh, I mean, that, that stat is not exactly surprising. The game certainly was. Um but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, a really, really relentless side that uh, always looked to, to create overloads and just uh, overwhelm their admittedly very, very, very weak opposition. Um, and even after they, they scored their final goal before the hour mark, which was also impressive. It wasn't just that they scored six. They scored six before the hour mark that uh, they, they kept trying. It's not like they just... Uh, Started playing the ball around and just not letting, uh, not letting their opposition touch it. It was just they kept trying. They weren't as successful to to keep scoring, reach seven or eight. They they would have to be honest. They, I mean, if uh, if they really really had it in, they really had it in them to, to just go for it. They didn't. But uh, well, I'm not I'm not here to complain about it, am I? But uh, but yeah, I was I was really really glad with the results. Not as glad maybe with the with the loss uh, against Betis. It was a little bit uh, hard done by, I think. I mean, I think the game maybe warranted a draw, but uh, yeah, in the beginning, they still have to work on def- defending the set pieces. A lot of progress has been made, but still there's a little to, to work about that and some work to do about teams that uh, sit deep uh, or have such uh, incredible defensive performances like uh, Luis Abraham and Lautaro Genetti from Vélez. But uh, yeah, I'm s- even with the results that actually helped Independiente a lot until we, we see what happens with uh, Lanús and Banfield. Um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm still quite happy with uh, the current state of Independiente as, as things stand. A second in Group A behind Vélez. Um, 
it's looking good so far. It's, uh, yeah, the, the results have yeah. been there. Yeah, until until we, we realize what the fuck are we going to do now that Silvio Romero is out with COVID and Alan Franco just been sold to Atlanta United and Luca Gonzalez is with the under-23s in Japan. I think we're doing all right. We should talk a bit about Vélez's record because it's kind of crazy. They've had six games, one five, lost one. Um, so they're they eight on goal difference. <laughs> yeah, eight, then, eight, four and eight against, yeah. Yeah, and then, but seven of those conceded came in one game against Boca. Of course, yeah. Yeah. It's a very, very odd. They're, yeah, they're playing pretty well. Like, you know, up there with Colonia's as the best starters, um, they seem to be doing all right under La Pellegrina. So, one to keep an eye on. I'm not sure. Uh, they, yeah, they've played Boca Independiente, I guess, have had yeah, some pretty pretty difficult games. Um, well, they made one of them look pretty difficult as well, in fairness. Um, uh, yeah. And I think <laughs> that's, that's, that's probably that's why we didn't pick up on their good start last time, because, of course, last time we'd have been recording and, and we were partly reviewing that 7-1 win for Boca. Um, yes, I think that more missed. remarkable. Even uh, I, I think that the Vélez campaign is is, is good, but uh, to see Union in the fourth position, so it, as it stands, they will qualify to the final stage. Uh, I think that's also remarkable. Yeah, it's a yeah, shame Tony's totally not been able to. Shame Tony wasn't able yeah, to join us yeah. either two weeks ago or now. They, they've only managed two draws since we last recorded, um, but they're looking solid. If if yeah. not particularly inspiring, um, we should say something about their last draw because it was we had a coaching debut for for El, El Mono Burgos. We took the Newell's helm for the of course, yeah. for the first time, um, and he showed himself to be a very faithful disciple of Simeone. I guess you could say because Newell's have been absolutely fucking awful at the back uh, <laughs> for pretty much all of this, and then and they only. Um, Gave away one shot on target against Unión, who we say have been in pretty, pretty decent nicks. So, I mean, I think we can all say yeah, the priority was to to get the back the back line a bit, um, you know, whip that into shape. And you know, first impressions fairly fairly positive, I guess. We also yeah, it looks like looks like one of those results to stop the bleeding, as some people mm-hmm. say. Uh, from yes, well, that's. Well, we'll see what happens. Who have they got at the weekend? Uh, Atletico Tucumán, away, who have been pretty shit as well. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting or possibly very uninteresting game. We also shouldn't let uh, Senor Burgos landing <coughs> in Rosario pass without mentioning uh, that at his introductory press conference, he quite proudly stood up and said he'd been here a few days and he'd seen a, a European structure um, at Newell's, which in Argentine, especially Argentine football parlance, but also just in Argentina more generally, it basically means first world. Um, and uh, a few seconds after he said this, the advertising hoarding that was standing behind him fell on the back of his head. Uh, and, and he just stood there like a rock and said, it's fine, nothing happened, uh, into the microphone. Well, presumably, while all the assembled journalists were trying not to laugh at him. Um, that was probably the, the best comedy moment since we last recorded. Um, now, Dan, we, we talked about about Independiente. I was, about, I was going to say on the other side of Abecheleda, but really, of course, it's very much on the same side of Abecheleda because it's right next Indeed. to it. Um, yes. How have Racing looked since we last recorded? I mean, they've been winning, um, which is great. I can't remember what the last game they... Uh, they got a 1-0 win over Argentina. Rosario Central. 
Argentinos on Monday. I've got here one nil win. No, I mean the last game before uh, before we last. Recorded. Oh, before we last recorded. Yeah, that was a one nil win over yeah. Central, which was fairly turgid watching, but they ground out the result and. Since then, they've uh, yeah, the two, last... Arcan- uh, two, two nil away to Platense, sorry, and one nil, yeah. uh, as I just said, at home to Argentinos. Plus a 3-1 Copa Argentina win against mighty Sportivo Belgrano of uh, San Francisco in mm. Córdoba. And pretty much all three of those games have been identical, absolutely terrible first halves, completely forgettable, basically what, making you want to gouge your own eyes out. Um followed by a slight improvement in the second half. A couple of chances, which Racing have taken. Um, all almost around the same the same time period as well, kind of like 70, 75 minutes in. Pizzi's team suddenly, I wouldn't say they, you know, they step up, they wake up almost and I managed to ground out the results. Um, it's been very, very difficult to watch, but um, but they got the results. Um and I think it's good as well because uh, they've been out. They've been without Gabriel Arias, uh, who's been so, so important for Racing in goal. Uh, he's had coronavirus. He's missed the last two games. Um, and yet they've kept, you know, a clean sheet against Argentinos, who were admittedly almost as bad as Racing. Um I'm not going to be particularly optimistic for this weekend against River because uh, we know what happened the last time Racing played against River. But, you know, during seconds, three wins in, in their last three Copa Liga Profesional games. It's been horrible to watch, but, you know, results results speak. And, you know, you've got to win ugly at times, I guess. Yeah, indeed. Uh, on paper, that Racing River is going to be fifth against sixth in Group 2. But as Dan says, they're really Racing a joint second because uh, Estudiantes, Central Cordoba, Banfield and Racing all have 11 points. Uh, River have 10. So it, it, either side could it could be in second place come the end of the game. Um, they, they definitely won't be in first because Colón are, are well clear at the top at the moment. Um, the other match in which there were six goals scored uh, saw River... Uh, travel to Mendoza and as always happens as we remark uh, fairly frequently when River play in Mendoza uh, it doesn't really seem to matter who they're playing against they win um, they were in a 6-0 lead 10 minutes more quickly I've just realised on looking at it again than Independiente managed even uh, 48 minutes in they were 5-0 up at half time and 3 minutes into the second half Rafael Santos Borre uh, scored his fourth of the game to put them 6-0 up um, they did then ease off quite a bit as perhaps could be understood. Um, and Valentin Burgoa got the, the goal for Godoy Cruz to, well, <laughs> I was going to say put them back in the game, but it didn't really, did it? Um, to make it 6-1. Um, Andres, was that a... Uh, I, that's a stupid question, isn't it? Was that a nice way to uh, to get over the failure to win the Super Classico? I'm guessing you're going to say yes. Yes, of course. But uh, what's incredible is that uh, Andres Gallardo... Uh, like you said, River went to Mendoza 13 times and they won 13 times. Uh, so, uh, against Godoy Cruz, which is a team that, of course, isn't showing great things, uh, the, the, the victory for River was perhaps expectable, something you could expect. And um, uh, yes, uh, uh, and, and the particular thing is that it happened after Riquelme said when Boca River 
finished after Bocarabial finished that it's a long time since River doesn't play well. Uh, and just after that, Boca lost to Tacheres and River won 6 1. So uh, it's uh, the, from, from the point of view of, of, a, of a River supporter, we will say, okay, Riquelme, yes, keep talking, please. Um, uh, but talking about the match, it was only one sided. It, as the result can can show, uh, I think there is uh, little things to to to, to add to, to that uh, because uh, uh, yes, it was five nil in the in the first half. Uh, I think it was 19 years ago the last time that River scored five goals in in in, in 45 minutes or in one half. Um, in fact, I, I think it was three nil in 20 minutes. So you could see after that that. Uh, uh, River will have an easy victory, and, uh, and it was like that. Um, the, the, perhaps the thing to add about that, about the match, is that neither uh, uh, Montiel was there nor uh, Ancelotti. Well, Montiel because of the mononucleosis, but Ancelotti because his father had died uh, days before, and of course he was uh, with his family. So the the, the uh, also and also Casco wasn't there because of the uh, send red card against Boca. So uh, the, the, the defense was uh, very, uh, well, a, a brand new defense with uh, uh, Vigo in the, in, the, in, the, in the right and Martinez, Hector Martinez, the former Defensa y Justicia uh, defender in the, in the left. So, but against Godoy Cruz, that wasn't a problem. In fact, Vigo uh, had, I think, two assists uh, for Borre, uh, for Borre to score. So yes, it was a match really, really uh, quiet for River. Perhaps they should have moved to Mendoza when they were remodeling the Monumental <laughs> instead of yeah. playing home games at Independiente. Um, as Andres has just mentioned, uh, Boca followed up the Super Classico with a 2-1 defeat. It was a, a fairly entertaining game for the neutral point of view, but it was um, remarkable how flat Boca looked, uh, really, especially after, as you said earlier, looking like largely the better team in the Super Clásico the week before. Um, Carlos Auski gave Tacheres a relatively early lead, 13 minutes in. It looked like Boca had rescued a point um, through an own goal from Michael Santos at, I think it was a corner, if I remember rightly. Um, but then Diego Valoches uh, scored with, well, pretty much exactly five minutes um, of stoppage time on the clock, virtually the last touch of the game to win it for Tacheres, um, which leaves Boca sixth and Tacheres eighth in Group A. Um, so the standings, before we go to a half-time break, uh, Colón in Group B, uh, as I've already mentioned, my, my mobile phone app has got these groups the wrong way around, which is why I'm going to read the standings in Group B first, because it's showing on my phone as Group A. Uh, Colón have 16 points, Estudiantes Central Cordova, Banfield, Racing have 11, River 10, Rosario Central 8, and uh, everybody else in that group, fewer than them. Um, and in Group A, Belles are top with 15 points, Independiente have 12, Defensa y Justicia, Union and Lanús all have 10, Boca and Gimnasia both have 9, um, and Tacheres have 8, and everybody else in that group has fewer than eight points um so that's the standings after well, um i think we should we pretty much do have to put that's pretty uh, much half of the group games right yeah sorry I, I think we did we do have to put an asterisk maybe beside lanus because um because of their their claim that um banfield field an ineligible an ineligible player uh during their their classical win 
It was actually a, a, a kid from the reserves who was sent off the previous week and therefore had to sit off, um, well, sit, sit up both the reserve and the first division game. So he was uh, ineligible to play against Lanús in the Clásico. He, he made his way yes. from the bench anyway. So uh, Lanús have a valid argument to uh, claim those three points from a but, derby, but there's been which some, is big. I've, I've seen some talk that by the wording of the actual regulation, he was eligible because of the fact, if, if I remember it rightly, the first team match was played the day after the reserve team match. And therefore, so the suspension is for any matches. It, 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 it takes effect from midnight on the day that he was suspended. And therefore, the fact that the first team played the following day meant that he actually, uh, the suspension was spent already by the end of that round, I think. Really? I saw a bunch of people replying to... Um, various journalists on Twitter pointing this out. So it would appear that it might not happen. Uh, but it's certainly one to watch this space because being the AFA, there's probably not going to be a decision on it for about six months' time and then they'll announce <laughs> halfway through the next league season that they've got to replay the game. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be problematic if we reach the final stages and Lanos are just like uh, three points away from qualification and uh, or three or three points uh, into qualification and suddenly the, the decision comes in when the when all the games have already been played and maybe Lanús even won this uh, this Copa de la Liga and uh, maybe they shouldn't have. Indeed, yeah. Uh, we've also, as I mentioned, had a few uh, Copa Argentina matches since we last recorded. Those have been in the last 32. Santelmo beat Deportivo La Ferrer 2-0 and Argentinos beat Colón 1-0. In the last 64, Racing, as Dan mentioned, beat Sportivo Belgrano 3-1. And then in the last 32, again, uh, Gimnasia y Escrima. This doesn't say where. Oh, okay. That looks like La Plata, according to the badge. As long as my app's got the correct badge for the correct club. Gimnasia La Plata beat Doc Sud 5-0. And Boca beat Defensores de Belgrano 3-0. And as mentioned already, San Lorenzo Defensa y Justicia are playing at the moment. It's half-time. The second half is actually just about to kick off and Defensa y Justicia have a 1-0 lead in that one. Um, we're now going to go to a halftime break of our own. And when we come back, we will discuss some other stuff, including the under-23 national team. So don't go away. Welcome back. Um, by the time this podcast goes online, uh, Argentina will probably, at under-23 level, have already played Japan uh, because that match is kicking off, we are reliably informed, at 7 o'clock in the morning, our time, which is in about 11 hours' time um, in, I believe, in Tokyo, right? Somewhere in Japan, anyway. Oh, yeah, in Tokyo. There it is. Um, so the 11 that we're expecting to see run out or that we might have seen run out already by the time you hear this, are uh, Jeremias Ledesme in goal, Hernández La Fuente, Neuen Pérez, Nazareno Colombo and Milton Valenzuela across the back, Santiago Ascasibar and Santiago Colombato um, behind Fernando Valenzuela, Matias Vargas and Agustín Ursi 
in midfield and Adolfo Geich up front. For some reason, players who are based in Europe uh, can play for underage national teams, but they can't play for the full national team this week. I'm shrugging. I don't yeah, I think it's it, I think it's because of the trip. Uh, I think it's because they're playing in Tokyo and not in South America, which uh, perhaps Tokyo uh, not only is considered to be a safer safer space for for them, for, you know, because in Brazil there's like a new breed of COVID um, surging every day, basically, but also um, because I mean there are no travel bans. I think that's why, for example, Sadeo Casibar who's playing in Germany, uh, is joining Argentina in Japan, but cannot play in Argentina because um, Argentina has a travel ban in Germany or the uh-huh. other way around, I can't remember. I guess also they want to prove that they can play football in, in Japan for the, uh, well, do all sorts of sports in Japan this year for fairly obvious reasons. Um, they're playing again on Monday at 7.45 in the morning for any of us who feel like having a bit of a lie in before watching them. Um, also against Japan. So I guess we'll be talking about, maybe we'll be talking about this next time we record. I'm not planning on watching either of those games, given the kickoff times. But um, I mean, at least it's some sort of international football to, to keep us going, since the, the World Cup qualifiers fell victim. Yeah, I was actually completely unaware that this was a, an international week in, in Europe until yesterday, <laughs> when various WhatsApp groups that I'm in started filling up with messages about the World Cup qualifiers. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. Good. Always with your finger on the pulse, Sam. Yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, especially now that it seems like every single day of our lives there's a football game coming on. And, yeah, no, uh, exactly. The, the I sudden... mean, that's, that's why I, yeah. I sort of stopped paying attention to who's playing exactly when, was because like if I want to watch some football, I just switch the TV on and see what's on now. Exactly, and now <laughs> this, much, yeah. this sudden this sudden cut of uh, of games everywhere is just a little bit uh, odd, you know. Yeah. Um, but what are we expecting from the under-23s, gents? So are we hopeful of, of an Olympic medal? Do we think that's probably stretching it a little bit too much? Or I mean, you have to see how good the other teams are. I think we know that at a continental uh, South American level, they're among the best. They had a very good uh, Pan American Games, what was it, back in 2019 now, uh, where they won gold. They... Also were very good. I can't remember if they won it or I know they obviously qualified, but I think they won it as well. The um, the pre-Olympic qualifying competition, um, which was at the start of last year, just before the pandemic hit. They're very impressive there. Uh, obviously, it's a team they haven't played since then. Uh, so they've been out of action for the best part of 13, 14 months. They're going to be... You know, these games are going to be very important to, to you know, get the rhythm back, which they've worked on very well, I think, over over the previous 12 months before the pandemic because they had a lot of um, regular friendlies. This is a group who played together very often um, and seemed to be hitting their stride. Uh, we'll have to see if they can, if they can pick up where they left off. Um, obviously, a lot is going to... Uh, is going to ride on those big, broad shoulders of Adolfo Gage, who um, who hit the news this week because he downed Juvent- Juventus with a very Gage-esque goal. He basically, you know, foraging a sloppy pass at the back and smashing it in um, to score the only goal of the game for Benevento. Um, uh, he's 
very important and he seems to be doing pretty well in Italy now after a fairly mediocre spell um, in the Russian season, which obviously begins and, and ends earlier than, than in the rest of Western Europe because of uh, climatic concerns. Um, uh, so I'm, I'll be interested to, to see how they get on. Um, I don't think I will get up at 7am because because no, but I'll, oh, you know, I'll look back and, and see how they get on and hopefully see some highlights. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, we'll see how they fare. Uh, I'm fairly positive for the Olympics. We'll see what happens. Until you said no, it out wouldn't... loud, sorry, uh, hmm? Andres, but until you said it out loud just then, Dan, it hadn't occurred to me that Adolfo Gaich is from Buenos Aires and is playing for Benevento. That's quite nice uh, synchronicity. Is he not from Cordoba? Oh, we he played in Buenos Aires anyway, didn't we? Yes. He first came we, to Providence. We know him. Yes, thank you. Andres, carry on. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, I wanted to ask uh, Danny. Uh, he wouldn't wake up at 7 to, to watch the under 23, but perhaps Nahuel will make him wake up or not. No, uh, no, no, no. Nahuel's a late sleeper. He usually gets us up about 10, 11 in the morning. So okay. I wouldn't wake up. I would not be waking up at seven in the morning because on his account. Uh, we should also mention um, that the women's Copa Libertadores has finished since we recorded. In fact, the final was on Sunday. Um, we're going to do a proper review of it, obviously, when Tony's here, uh, because he's the expert. And also, moreover, he was at uh, several of the games. He was covering the, the tournament. Um, but I will just mention now that it was won by Fejoviaria. Uh, who beat America de Cali in the final 2-1, and that River and Boca um, both went out in the quarterfinals, but two, the two finalists. Um, Boca lost 2-1 to America de Cali, and River lost 1-0 to Ferroviaria. Uh, so, well done them, I guess. That's some some dignity, uh, at least in, in the exit. Uh, but obviously, we'll have Tony next time he's on. We'll ask him to give us a, a more detailed rundown um, than that. Uh, we should also mention Patronato, who are going to be looking for, or maybe they've already found um, a new president because their former president, uh, Miguel Angel Holman, died of COVID-19 on the 23rd, which was oh, just two days ago. God, it feels like I've read this a week ago. It's bizarre. Um, Anyway, yeah, on uh, on Tuesday. Um, so, in fact, they probably haven't found a new president yet, have they? Uh, but well, been the vice president, I believe, like line of succession. Good point. Yeah, but it, it doesn't mean there's going to have to be a that it will be the vice president until there's an election, though. Or yeah, I mean, obviously, I remember yeah, it happened I mean, a few they, years ago with uh, with Racing. That I mean, um, thankfully the president didn't die, but he did resign. And uh, and the vice president just took over until the end of his um, the end of his term. So uh-huh. that will, I assume, happen here. Anyway, rest in peace, Tito, as he was apparently Indeed. known. Um, other than that, I'm not sure what else we have to cover, gents. So, Mystic Sam, is it Mystic Sam time? I think it is Mystic Sam. I believe time. it is. Um, so here is Mystic Sam's theme music.
Okay, as usual, just done this and then realised I don't have the fixture list in front of me because I've been flipping to different tabs on my phone. Um, so this weekend's matches are... Oh, God, that's the wrong competition altogether. Copa de la Liga Profesional, not Liga Profesional. Um, here we go then. This weekend, we've got following Lanús versus Patronato. I'm going to go for Lanús to win that one. Union, I think, will get a home win over Sarmiento. Uh, Colón to beat Platense uh, in Vicente López. Aldo Sibi versus Banfield. I'll go for a draw. Argentinos versus Arsenal. I'm going for Argentinos to win that one. Rosario Central against Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero. Um, I think will be a Central win. <laughs> Obviously, but a Rosario Central win specifically. Tacheres versus Godoy Cruz. Tacheres to win that one. Defensa y Justicia versus Vélez could be one of the more interesting matches of the weekend. I'm going for Vélez to win it, though. River against Racing. Uh, sorry, Dan, but I'm going for River to just edge that one. I think it'll be a bit closer than the Supercopa was. Independiente versus Boca Juniors. Um, I'll go for a draw. Estudiantes... Estudiantes versus San Lorenzo. I think Estudiantes will get back to winning ways there after, what was it, a defeat and a draw in the last two games? Or a defeat? Was it two defeats? What did they do last time out? Oh no, they drew away to Central Cordoba. Um, Atletico Tucumán versus Newells. I'll go for Newells to claim Mr. Burgos's first victory. And Huracán against Gimnasia. I'll go for a Gimnasia win there. Um... Any particularly juicy-looking matches this weekend, gents, do you think, from the ones I've just read out? Yeah, I mean, the two classicos, the two proper classicos, are, are going to be fun, I think. Boca Independiente and River Racing. I, think. I do share Sam's uh, pessimism on, on Racing side. I think River have won something like the last six games or seven games between the two teams, so it would take a brave man to predict anything different this time around. Uh, I can't fault you there. Yeah, Independiente Boca was was a slightly tricky one to call, though, because, I mean, I, I can only think that Boca are going to be better than they were against Tacheres. Um, mm. So the real question is whether whether Independiente can keep up the, well, the, the really impressive show that we've had since we last, uh, last record, recorded. Santi, what do you make of that one? Um, well, for in case of the the Boca game against Independiente, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty even game, but not because uh, I mean both teams are evenly matched per se, but all, but mostly because of Independiente's uh, absences. Maybe uh, the fact that they've just uh, completed, as I said before, Franco's sale to Atlanta United and uh, Lucas Gonzalez, as we established, is with the under-23s, and Silvio Romero um, has COVID. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's going to create a lot of head-scratchers for Falcioni in, in terms of who is going to replace them, and what is what approaches is he, gonna to, is he going to uh, take uh, for this game? Because, I mean, we know that Boca is finding it really, really hard to, to, to actually score goals I think and create uh, and create decent chances but that odd game against Vélez but uh, especially now that Juanchope Avila is also do, is, um, poised to join the MLS 
leaving them with zero number nines in the squad. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big ask on whether what's going to happen. I think I want to go with the draw, same as you, but uh, I don't think it's going to be exactly a classic because of these absences. No, and the style of, uh, of play that both managers are adopting as well is, is the other interesting one. I'm going to say this, though. Um, a loss for Russo... And I think it's going to be really, really difficult to keep his job at Boca. I mean, there have already been some uh, rumblings that this might be like uh, an ultimatum game or something. But uh, yeah, I think it's a bit, I think it's going to be really, really difficult to keep his job if he loses this game. Well, you know, they've gone two whole Copa de la Liga matches since their last victory. So it's inevitable, isn't it? I'm trying to look up how many they've... That, that defeat to Tacheres was their first loss Oh, since the Copa Libertadores semi-final. Um, I, I think that if he had lost against Defensor de Belgrano for Copa Argentina and then lose, they lose against uh, Independiente, that will be the, the well uh, quite obvious uh, for Russo to leave. But now I think that if they get a good result against Independiente, things can again change. The thing is that it's, they are so regular that you don't know how they, they play and, and, and they can score seven against uh, against Vélez, then play decently against River, not brilliantly, just, just decently, and then play quite awful against Tacheres. You don't you don't uh, how know how to measure them, uh, I think. Uh, but mm. it's clear that if they lose against Tamedente, they will be quite far in the in table. Uh, uh, for the Copa. Yes, indeed. Anyway, I think that's it for this week. Thank you very much indeed for listening to us. Uh, we'll be back with you next week or the week after. Uh, for now, it's thanks and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From English Dam. Goodbye. From Nahuel as well there. Um, <laughs> and from Santi. Well, not as young as Nahuel, but as uh, you on, guys. And from me, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>